0: Welcome to the Sugar Coated Dreams Podcast. If you've ever daydreamed about running your very own baking business, then you're in the right place. I'm Lauren, the cheerful baker, and I'll be your guide on this delightful journey where sugar, passion, and entrepreneurship collide. In each episode, we'll chat with talented bakers, entrepreneurs, and cookie decorators who've transformed their passions into something truly magical. Whether you're a seasoned baker or just starting out, this podcast is for you. We'll uncover the secret behind successful baking businesses, share tips and tricks to help you level up your skills and unravel the stories of those who've created thriving careers in the baking industry. Plus, I have an exciting announcement for all of our listeners. Introducing the Cheerful Box, a monthly subscription that brings joy and inspiration to your doorstep. Each box is carefully curated and filled with items to enhance your baking experience. Inside, you'll find a surprise collection of unique cookie cutters, clip art, and a stencil, plus an exclusive link to my online cookie decorating class. It's the perfect way to indulge your passion for baking and take your skills to new heights. So after you listen to this episode, be sure to check out the Cheerful Box. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to receive a monthly dose of baking magic delivered right to your door. Visit our website and subscribe today. Now grab your cup of coffee and let's get ready for this week's episode. Hey, welcome to the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast. We have a fantastic guest with us today. Her name is Sam and she is so talented in so many ways. So I'm just going to let you introduce yourself, Sam.
1: Hello, my name is Sam Boffman. I am a cookie artist based out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I've been doing this for, I don't know, about 10, no, 11 years. I do everything from Custom orders to teaching classes, teaching at Cookie Con. I've been on the Christmas Cookie Challenge with the student network. Cookie stuff aside, I have four wonderful children. I have a son and then three older girls. They are the reason I do everything that I do. So they're the best. And I'm super outdoorsy. I love to rock climb, be outside. I have bees, I have chickens. Um, basically, I'm a lifelong learn- learner. And if I can get my hands into it, I get my hands into it. Like I love to be a student of all things. So
0: that's exactly how I am. And I was so impressed when I saw that you were a rock climber. That is hard. I have boys. And so I took them one time, several times when they were little and I could do the harness, but then the free climbing. Do you do that? Mm, I do. That's <laughs>
1: most of what I do because with a rope, you have to have a partner and I don't have a lot of partners that can go with me during the week. So I'll just go to the gym and do It's called bouldering and I'll boulder without a rope. And I don't fall from the top like all the college kids do. I definitely climb back down and play <laughs> it a little on the safe side. But no, I love it. It's Outside of cookies, it's one of my main passions. It just keeps it fun. And I love to be outside and do things. So
0: it works. Well, you know, How do you do all of your outdoor activities and your rock climbing? How do they go into your creative process?
1: Oh, gosh. Probably the best way to think about it is I just, I need to be on the move. I'm very active. I don't like to sit still very long. Part of that is because I have four kids. Because people will say, I don't know how you do it. I don't have a choice. I have four kids. Like (laughs) I have to be on the go, but I also have to have time for me. So being active, being outside, those things keep me busy. They get me away from being trapped indoors where I can think freely, where I don't have interruptions or emails or computer, all these things where people are constantly asking for information and it allows me the time to just think freely so I can And a lot of time, my thinking freely is what am I going to do on this order? What am I going to do on these cookies? But I'm taking inspiration from what's around me and different people and colors and textures outdoors, especially the way things move. And I just get that chance to really allow my thought processes to just flow and not be bogged down by other things.
0: That's exactly how I am, Sam, because I'm on, I have two kids, but I'm, energy from the minute I wake up till the Mm -hmm. minute I go to sleep and it's hard for me to just be still so what I've found is I can be still when I'm outside and I'm a big gardener and I love to work in my yard and I do the best cookie planning and business planning when Mm -hmm. I'm outside because my mind is just focused on pulling weeds or I love to mow mowing is my quiet space I think a lot of times people to feel, they just stare at the internet all the time to try to get ideas. And I think that fills your brain with too much stuff. You need to get away from it, don't you? Oh yeah. And that was something I actually was going to touch
1: on today. When I look for my inspiration in my sets, like I don't go to Google and search 4th of July cookies or whatever it is. I usually I'll take inspiration from some things that I see from time to time or some really cute cutter sets. Like you make adorable cutters. I'll just go outside and think about what I feel when I have 4th of July or if I'm walking through a store and I see some cute decor or something like that, that triggers more creative processes for me than sitting here researching. Like I'm, I do much better when I just get out and think about the nostalgia of the 4th of July and the fireworks and the crowds and the smell of sparklers and all those things will trigger
0: the creative process where I can start thinking, oh, how can I incorporate that onto a cookie? neat. I get a lot of inspiration when I'm walking through Target,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: looking at their <laughs> decorations, their the candles and the vases and the flags and everything that they yeah. have. I think, Oh, I maybe could turn that into a cookie. Maybe I could turn that into a cookie <laughs> yeah. and I'm snapping pictures and writing notes on my phone. I do and the then I go, thing. And Mo, I go and mow and it melds around in my brain and something mm-hmm. pops out. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I do too. <laughs> so how did you get started making cookies? You've been doing it a long time.
1: It's, it's a long story, so I'll try to not let it get too carried away, but I used to work full time, like 50 to 60 hour weeks. And then I was able to have a family. So I came from working and being extremely busy all the time to having a newborn that slept a lot. (laughs) And I didn't know what to do with myself because I couldn't leave. I couldn't just leave a baby unattended. So I had to find something to invest that energy into. And at the time, Cake Boss was just really starting to take off, like really big fondant covered cakes, big carved cakes. And I had a local friend who was doing them. So I thought, well, I can do cakes. That's something I can teach myself. So over a few years, I did. And I had another baby. And I really fell into the cake world because I, I found a creative outlet that was manageable, that I just really thought was fun because you could eat it after. If it was terrible, you could just make it go away and (laughs) nobody knew. But I still found like I I felt like I needed to contribute back some way. I was so used to working and Mm -hmm. helping people and making cakes was a good creative outlet, but I wasn't doing anything with it at birthday cakes or whatever. So I started a project. It was called We Deliver Love. And it was what I called a caring and sharing project. And it was for makers, people who made homemade gifts. And we didn't call us makers back then. It was just crafty people. So you could come to my website and you could nominate a friend of yours anonymously to receive a homemade gift. And then I would match you with a crafty person and they could send whatever their heart desired. And the whole thing was anonymous. So that way it was during the holidays. I was like, cause people, some people have seasonal depression. Some people have bad memories, but it was just meant to be like a pick me up. So somebody who was having a hard time would just randomly get a homemade gift in the mail and it could be a blanket. Oh, nice. be Look, you're going to make me,
0: you're going to make me cry. That's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. I didn't know that about you. I yeah, mean, that, no. that's amazing. It was really,
1: it was really nice. There, there were some incidences. We uh, focus on the overall fun, <laughs> happy part of it. <laughs> But I noticed because some of the people who were recipients would write me emails and say, thank you. And i would be like, I can pass that along to your gifter. But it was all, like I said, all anonymous. I started getting emails of people saying, thank you so much for these gorgeous cookies. And I was like, what gorgeous cookies are you talking (laughs) about? I don't know anything about gorgeous cookies. So I went back and I looked to see who the sender was. And I noticed this one person had sent several sets and her name was Sarah. So, of course, I had to go figure out who Sarah was. And it just so happened that I was looking through my website data and I noticed that a website called Cookiers R Us was giving a lot of traffic to my website. And so I go there and I found that the forum that Mike and Karen created years ago. And that was where I was introduced to the cookie community. So I show up in here, this cake person, and I'm looking at all these beautiful cookies. And I'm not going to lie. I thought, what a stupid thing to do. <laughs> like, they're so <laughs> tiny. They're so small. Why That's would you do, do that much work? on? Oh, it just, it blew me away because I had such respect for them. But at the same time, I was like, that is so dumb.
0: Yeah, it's so but, time consuming. Every yeah. shape is different, every design is different. And then they're just sending them out to people for free, for fun. And I, But I was blown
1: away by the kindness and the community that they had. So I come in and I'm like, hey, this is me. I see y'all are coming to my website and y'all are sending cookies. I just wanted to say thank you. This is amazing. I do cakes, I don't do cookies. I couldn't do this. And they were all very much, yes, you can, you can do it. Sam. And I was like, I don't really want to though. <laughs> but Sarah and I started a friendship and she encouraged me to give it a try. So I tried it and the first cookies I ever made were terrible. I teach a lot of cookie decorating classes now and people are like, Oh, my cookies are so bad. I'm like, girl, you have no clue how bad this can go because my first cookies were not identifiable. They spread, they puffed, they were supposed to be ghosts for my then three-year-old to take to school. The royal icing didn't work. I slapped some melted chocolate on it because I was like, at least it's white chocolate. It'll still look like a ghost. And I showed them to my daughter and I was like, honey, would you like to take these to school? And she's like, that's okay, mom. <laughs> <And> she
0: <laughs> me. I was like, are
1: you? But I made them for you and your friends. She's there'll be a lot of
0: snacks there. It's okay. <laughs> They were that- you hang up your apron. You hang up your apron. You're like, okay, maybe, maybe I won't go this route. <laughs> they were
1: that bad. I think I sent rainbow cupcakes. I it's like, I'm going to do rainbow cupcakes like that. But Sarah gave me the best cookie advice for a beginner that I've ever gotten. And I still, to this day, share that advice with everybody. You bought the jar of a ring powder, finish it out. And I know that sounds so okay, but The first batch of royal you ever make, it's the worst. You've seen all these people do it. And then you do it and you think it's going to be easy. And you have no idea what consistency is. You have no idea what the ingredients accomplish. You probably never even heard of meringue powder. And if you did, maybe you haven't let up. You don't know how it functions. And normally those little jars that you get at Hobby Lobby, they're like four recipes worth. So I did my second batch. And I was like, fine. And she's like, here's a couple clues on the cookies. Use my recipe for the cookies. Try again with the meringue powder. So I tried it again and it clicked and I was like, oh, okay. Okay. These weren't. So I could, I think I could do a little better though. And the third time, like it just all kind of came together and it was hooked pretty much instantly. And obviously they were still beginner cookies, but they resembled what they were supposed to resemble. And me being who I am and pushing myself the way I do, I just started trying to figure it all out. There were no classes here at the time. There was nobody teaching. There may have been some online classes, but I hadn't found them. The forums were a great resource if I had questions and people were super helpful and fast to answer, but it's not the same as having someone do it in front of you. And I'm such a hands-on learner anyway. So I just started pushing myself and pushing myself. And within three months, I was making cookies pretty regularly, gifting them to friends. Within six months, I was selling them. And, within, and I'd never had a business license for my cakes. I just did it for friends, for family. It was a very small side thing. And within a year and two months, I had a business license and just fell right into it. And I immediately started teaching classes like it was two months after i had my business license that friends were like hey can you teach me i was like sure (laughs) and i go back and i look at my first classes and i was like oh did i really teach you though because i don't really know what happened but it was super fun and i just fell in love with it and i ended up finding a local decorator another one here (laughs) another one her name's beth and we developed a friendship and then i just started building from there like i started building my community the forums taught me about CookieCon. I went to my first one in 2015 and I was immediately in love with Cookie Con. That was in Salt Lake City back when it had 300 people. And it just, it's obviously escalated (laughs) in the decades since. But it was a really interesting start. And I'm very thankful for particularly Sarah getting me into it and for Mike and Karen having that resource at the time. Like I just... I think about the way that my life would differ now if I hadn't fallen into that. And I just can't quite picture it. Such an integral part of my life now.
0: So what did you do before children? What was your job? Oh,
1: I worked at Ferguson Enterprises and I was a showroom consultant. So I sold plumbing, lighting, appliances, cabinet hardware, door hardware for people who were doing like remodels and new construction. And I was in the showroom, you're surrounded by all the pretty things. So when you see those gorgeous tubs and showers on TV, that's the kind of stuff that I did. Like I helped them that's design neat. and lay out. I did okay. a lot of it. It was a really cool industry.
0: It's it when you were saying that's great advice to just go through the meringue powder. I give up because I grew up baking with my mom all the time. I made cakes for my kids for their birthdays, and when I started decorating cookies before i knew what i was doing my husband and i would make royal icing what we thought was royal icing <laughs> and we would spread it on a cookie with a toothpick It would take us like five hours to make 24 cookies, but we thought it was fun. And it it, it worked out. I was the room mom. So my kid didn't get to say, I don't want those cookies. It's okay, mom. (laughs) I took them. I took them anyway. And they were boys. They didn't care what they looked like. I thought once I took my first class, oh, royal icing, I can do that. It was so hard. I couldn't Mm -hmm. believe it. I watched a video. I took a lot of online classes and I watched a video probably 50 times. And I'm not exaggerating where I would rewind and rewind because I couldn't get the consistency right. And I kept thinking, how is this hard? (laughs) But I just, I started the meringue powder. I never thought about that. I thought I'm just going to keep going and eventually it clicked. And it's so interesting now how easy it isn't it.
1: But now we know what we're looking for, right. thing too, when people are learning and they're newer decorators and they get so down on themselves so fast because the industry's so big and they see so many cookies. I'm like, girl, it's going to take a little bit like it'll happen. Trust me, every one of these people had the same struggle and now I can do it. It takes me five minutes to make a batch of oil and 25 minutes and I've got my cookies baked and here we are ready to go. But right. The first so- little while, though.
0: So you said you started teaching right away, which is interesting because when I asked you what your background was, I thought you were going to say I was a teacher, but (laughs) you weren't, but you just had, you had the desire to share that fun knowledge with other people. I've always been someone who doesn't mind being in charge, like
1: being a leader since I was a kid. I've always, I have a thick skin. I don't get too flustered by people and I like everybody to be able to participate in experience. And even when I was a teenager in youth group and school and elementary school, I was the same way. But I didn't realize that lit itself to teaching because I have zero desire to be a school teacher. I adore school teachers, absolutely love them. And I have many friends that are like nothing negative to say. I'm just not built for that profession. Uh And, And I knew that about myself. So I was shocked to learn how much I enjoy teaching cookie decorating. And I know it's a different age group for the most part. Yeah, I'm not teaching tons of kids classes, but even when I do, they're super fun. But it, it really did. It caught me by surprise, like how much I enjoyed it. Now also I do coach youth sports as well. I coached rock climbing for a while. I coached basketball and I didn't realize that I was going to like those things either. So it's, it's funny. Like I never thought I'd see myself
0: in that position, but it's my favorite aspect of my job. So you obviously like competition and I know that about you and (laughs) you tell me about the sports and that definitely goes hand in hand, right? I never thought that I was very competitive. I was an athlete growing up. I was a swimmer and a tennis player, but I just did it for the social aspect. I didn't do it because I wanted to be this great athlete. I didn't Mm -hmm. think I was that competitive. And then for a while, I was a consultant for Southern Living at Home. I found out that I could win a free trip and man, did the competitiveness, <laughs> and the competitiveness within myself, not for other people, but right. you dangle a carrot in front of me and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get that carrot. I grew up with
1: three brothers and we were a very sports heavy family and uh-huh. everything was a competition. So <laughs> my whole life is still that way. Even with my kids, sometimes, obviously, it's all good natured. My children, no, I love them dearly, but every now and then we'll just pick at each other. And I'm like, oh, they cleaned their room better than you cleaned your room. And they're like, say, what? <laughs> yeah, they did.
0: <laughs> A little but since train- they get it from me, <laughs> that's good parenting. I mean, it works. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the latest. We just got back from CookieCon, mm-hmm. and tell us about your latest experience with your competition piece for cookie con. Cause that was amazing. Thank you. I made the Trevi fountain. It was
1: around the world category. And I knew I wanted to do something that was very challenging for me. If you ever look at the history of my work, like I've won and Orlando Sugar Show piece, 2020. Was it 2020? No, 2021. Sorry, COVID really messed up my years. 2021, I won with a piece of Diagon Alley. And a lot of people remember that piece. It really spoke to a lot of people. I was very honored by the response to that cookie. But if you look at it, it's very my style. It's textured. It's wonky. It's not perfect. It's colorful. It's everything's, it's a collective mess that works together because that's my style. Like I don't, get bogged down in perfection and symmetry and details. I don't prefer it. It's not, it doesn't reflect in my work. So when I was thinking about the around the world, I love 3D cookies. They're my passion and I don't get to sell a lot of them. So competition is where it comes out. And I really wanted to push my skills and do something where if people saw it, they wouldn't know it was my cookie. A lot of people can recognize my work. So I wanted to step away from that completely. It was hard. (laughs) It was really hard. (laughs) I think I spent about probably about 30 hours decorating on that piece. But the planning, I couldn't even put a number on it because I did it over the course of months when I would, it would click, oh, this is how you need to make that structure. Oh, this is how you need to create that effect. And so much goes into architectural planning, anyway. So I had rulers and printouts, and I had drone like drone footage of the Trevi Fountain Is that <laughs> so right? I could look at it from different angles, so I could work out the perspective that I wanted to convey because three D or three D cookies are really challenging in perspective. And it was layers and layers of perfect royal icing and straight columns and oh my gosh, it was so hard to push through and there it was smooth and flooded and it didn't have a bunch of texture, but then you get to the fountains in the front. And that was where I really had fun because I got to create the texture and the rocks and the water. And I got to make hand paint and make reflections with like I hand painted. And then I used a glaze mix over it to create the glossy surface of the water where it looked like it was pouring out. So it was probably the most technically proficient piece I've done for 3D and I really I, it paid off. I won first place and both popular and advanced judges vote and I was super humbled by it and it was exactly what I thought. People were like, I had no idea that was your cookie. I never would have guessed it. It's like thanks hey, so I worked really hard for it. <laughs>
0: What was cool about your cookie? So I've been decorating cookies for a long time also. And I can look at a cookie, any cookie anywhere, and think, oh, this is how they did that. And this is how they do that because of all the knowledge of cookie decorating that I have. Your cookie, Sam, I couldn't figure it out. I thought, how'd she do that? And that was what was so interesting. There were lots of interesting things about it, but the most interesting was... It was so unique. You could, you had no idea how you did it.
1: What's funny is my, one of my friends that was on the show with me, Alicia, she was actually texting me about it just last week. She's like, I'm trying to sit here and look at pictures again and figure out how you did that arch in the middle. And I sat there and I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot. And I started <laughs> looking at pictures. I was like, how did I do that arch in the middle? And then I, I pulled my templates back up. I was like, oh, Okay. That's how I did But it took me a second because I was looking at my picture and I was like, I don't remember how I did
0: that. I do that. <laughs> I do that too. I'll look back at cookies and I'll try and think about how I can re- re- recreate it. And The creative process just comes when you're in the middle right. of it and you don't necessarily plan it. And so then you can't replicate it. Yeah. So talk talking about 3D cookies, when you were on the Christmas cookie challenge, because everyone knows from watching all of the episodes that you have to know how to make a 3D cookie. Did you have experience with that? Had you ever made a 3D cookie before you were on the show? I have. I didn't go the second round, so I didn't get to make a 3D cookie. So
1: I was major bummed because I thought that was going to be my time to shine because I do. I love 3D cookies. I would say I started doing 3d cookies actually about 2018 I realized I could make a box and I was I thought I was super fancy I was like oh <laughs> my box and it was cookie con again the sugar show that I was seeing some people start to do some th- like more like layers not like full sculptures or anything and I realized I could start doing things on my own so I started just creating and mushing together, and and I don't use gingerbread; I use sugar cookies. So that's mm-hmm. another challenge that I've learned. Because my idea was that if I was doing a 3D cookie, I still wanted it to be fully edible, and not that gingerbread's not edible, but it's not for everybody. And sugar cookies are a lot more acceptable as far as commonly being eaten. I really started pushing to see what I could do, how far I could take it, how quickly it would break, how strong I could make it while still being palatable. And now, like, I do carved sculptures and curved shapes and create whole pieces. I don't know if you saw the class that I taught at Cookie Con this year. I, I had did. we curved cauldron. Incredible.
0: Again, I, I thought, perfect. how did she do that? How did she yeah. do that?
1: <laughs> that and the mushroom. The mushroom was just... I actually have those sitting over here beside me. Those were just... They were so much fun. And when people take the class and they're like, I didn't even know you could do this with cookies. it's was like, I didn't either until I did
0: it. <laughs> so you beautiful. made a cauldron. And mm-hmm. I know that Halloween is your favorite yes, holiday, right?
1: Oh, so, so much.
0: So would you, have you thought about being a contestant on the Halloween Absolutely. cookie challenge? Would you like to do that? hundred percent. The Halloween cookie
1: challenge did not exist when... I applied to be on the Christmas cookie challenge. And when I found out it existed and not only that it existed, but was airing the same year, I was like, you guys, I was this close (laughs) to my dream show and I loved watching it. And I sat there the whole time thinking, Oh, I know what I would do. Oh, I know what I would do. So yeah, I had like when, They had applications earlier this year. I went back to do my application video and we do a haunted woods on my property every year for Halloween. And I create the whole thing. So I'm back there in my application video. This is where we hang the bodies and this is where we put the tombstones. And I was like, I'm going to be a shoe in now. (laughs) they didn't pick me, but it is a goal. I would love to do it. Like absolutely love to do it. Cause I loved my experience on the Christmas cookie challenge. But Christmas is not my favorite, and they make you play it up. Oh, it's my jam. So yes. I, I felt so like a liar. I was like, oh, I well, love Christmas. It's my favorite <laughs> holiday. And inside, I'm thinking pumpkins and ghosts and tombstones and blood. <laughs> and like,
0: no, this feels wrong. <laughs> Are there any experiences, funny experiences from when you were on the Christmas cookie challenge that you'd like to share? Yes. So,
1: you know, when you're being judged, they only show a very small portion of it on TV. So you're standing there for much longer while they tell you all the good things, all the bad things. And you can tell they have to really think about what they want to say. Like they have to have a variety of things because you don't know what's going to air and what's not. They have to give their editors options. So one of my goals with being on the show was I did not, Changed my style, my personality. I was like, they're going to accept me for me, or they're not going to accept me, and that's fine. So, my piece was very highly textured, had a couple of layered 3D elements. I couldn't go full 3D in the first round. I definitely made some things stick out off the cookie, but it did have a lot of texture on it. And Marie, she was looking at my cookie and she said, there's so much texture. It makes my head hurt. Like looking at it, it, hurts my eyes a little. It's almost like there's so much texture. I need to look away from your cookie for some relief. And I was like, did the pioneer woman just tell me that my cookies caused her physical pain? Like on camera. And I'm looking around because you can't break. And you can't be like, oh my gosh, Ree." And you're just <laughs> like, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I could see that. Thank you, Ree." And the whole time I'm like, Dying inside, <laughs> looking Get around it. the room, kind of is anybody else hearing this? Do you yeah. hear what to me? And of hey, course it made of- it memorable. I- it made I- it memorable, right? I, on a t-shirt. I was like, I wish y'all had put that in the episode, especially knowing I was going home first. I was like, please let me go down in flames. Make it <laughs> brutal if you're going to send me home. Let it at least be rememberable or like put that on there. Um, and of course they did it because I think she, I don't think she meant anything malicious by it. She was just really struggling with something to say. And that's what popped out. But I was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I want a shirt with it on the back that I can walk around and be
0: like, that was me. That's <laughs> said, okay. awesome. Talking about memorable, when I met you, or I don't even think we had officially met, but we were in this group together, the right. Christmas Tookie Challenge can. Cons- Contestants, I knew that I would like you <laughs> whenever I saw your amazing video. Oh, of the I read, what I, I did. all right I thought that, honestly, Sam, I'm not kidding when I say this. That is the greatest video I've ever seen <laughs> on social media. I watched it so many times over and over everything about it. So tell us about the video, where you can see it, and what was the inspiration behind that? Because it was fantastic. So this video she's talking about, it's on my Instagram. It's a pinned
1: reel. So if you go under my reels on Sammy B Sweets, it's one of the first video that pops up. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) I just, I like to have a lot of fun. And when we were kids, I used to make stupid videos with my friends all the time. And my kids are finally at the age that we can make dumb videos together. I don't mind being goofy or silly. I love making people laugh. And I don't even know what made me think of cardboard cutouts of Ree and Eddie. And I was slightly concerned I was going to get sued. I was like, we'll just see what happens. <laughs> they might sue me. They might not. So I designed these and I had them shipped these giant cardboard cutouts of Ree and Eddie life-size to scale with her boots on. She's slightly taller than me. And I had them shipped to my house. And as soon as they came, I was out front and I was taking pictures with them and posing with them. <laughs> and my neighbor, this speaks to who I am. She just looked over and laughed and walked inside. This is just a normal day. This is not a show-stopping scene by any means. She was just like, oh, I just see I'm doing Sam things over there. But we had so much fun. Like I contacted some local businesses. And we went and filmed in those. My husband's uncle dresses up like Santa, like professional Santa. So I hired him to come and do the Santa bit with me. We went to local parks, local playgrounds, but probably (laughs) the most absurd place was Opryland Hotel. Super classy, super gorgeous, all decked out for Christmas. I was like, I have to film here. They might kick me out, but I've got to do it. And it just so happened that my kid was competing in the beta club competition there over the holidays. So I was like, I have an in, I'm already a chaperone. So, you know, I bring them into the hotel with me. And then when all the competition's done, I just grabbed them and started running around the hotel. So I have my (laughs) selfie tripod and I'm standing in the middle of these crowds looking at these beautiful core all over the place. And I'm just filming myself like dancing with Re and Eddie and people were <laughs> staring at me like I'd lost my mind. I had one person try to steal Re at one point. She's like, oh, I didn't realize it was yours. I was like, why would you think this was up for grabs? Who thinks that you can just take, why did you want, I, the whole thing was weird. <laughs> had several women ask if they could purchase Eddie and take him home. I was like, these are nefarious ideas. I can't <laughs> You contribute to this. But it was a lot. That'll of fun. be your next business,
0: right? <laughs> <cut out. laughs>
1: that one they might actually sue me for. But no, it was so much fun. Like we had a lot of fun with the kids and putting it all together. I just wanted something whimsical, funny that made people laugh. That, because I'm small town, like I'm not, I don't have thousands of Instagram followers. I just wanted something that was, oh, hey, you're on the show. That's really cool. This is a fun way to announce it. And then, Ree saw it and she shared it out. And then Eddie saw it and shared it out. And to date, that's my only viral video. And that's fine <laughs> by me It's a good one. I was like, all right, if there's going to be something viral, that's the one to be it. That was really fun.
0: It's the greatest videos. So <laughs> tell everybody who's listening where they can go and find that and watch it. Cause it, I just love it. If
1: you go on Instagram, go to Sammy B's sweets and it's Sammy M I E B S sweets. And it's on my reels, it's the top pinned reel on my page. It's me in my tacky Christmas sweater that shows Santa eating a dead reindeer, which is also my favorite (laughs) sweater. And I'm hugging Ree and Eddie and we're all wearing Christmas hats. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. It's really cute. It's
0: only a couple minutes long. I love it, it's the best. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked a little bit about your story and how you got started. And it seemed like it was a pretty easy transition for you. Was there any, anything that really stumped you from the very beginning, starting your cookie journey besides my family life? That was the hard part from the cookie side of
1: things. Not particularly Uh, my husband and his family, they have a small business. There were any questions about the business side of things. I had resources. I could figure it out pretty quickly. Tennessee's cottage food laws are very lax. So there wasn't a lot of challenges to overcome as far as getting up and going or using my own kitchen. But in 2014 is when I got my business license, officially became Sammy B. Sweets. And that same year, I'm sorry, I got it in 2013. And then I found out I was pregnant two months later with my third amazing <laughs> talent amazing daughter. She's the best she was born in 2014 so i've been at it for about 10 months and of course things were growing escalating and in a good way and i was going to be part of local farmers market and this is in september 2014 and it was really hard because i had a baby that i adored that i loved that needed attention and i was in the kitchen a lot trying to fulfill the obligation that i had made to sign up for this market And it was two days before the farmer's market. And she had cried for about two and a half hours meeting me, just not even needing her basic necessities were met that she wanted her mama. She wanted to play. She wanted to have fun and not be stuck in a walker or a bouncer or a playpen. And it just hit me. I was like, I'm doing this all wrong. This is not why I'm doing this for my kids. Why am I, here watching her just sit there and cry. This is not what I saw. This is not what I signed up for. And even though it seemed like it was a bad business decision, it was the right personal decision to call and pull out. So I called and I pulled out and I know that left them in a lurch. And I knew that I was potentially damaging my reputation, but I picked up my daughter and I went to the park and we played on the swings and it was the best afternoon. So yeah, It was a hard lesson that I was fortunate to learn when my business was very young, before I invested years into it and missed so many opportunities. And that's still to date, my biggest challenge is I, of course, I would love to grow. Of course, I would love to travel and teach and be Sam, the cookie girl that does the 3D cookies that does all the amazing things. And it would be great to have a big following and to have a whole career But I have four kids at home that need them, and that's what I always wanted to be. So sometimes I see other people reaching these goals that in theory I have, but then I look around and I'm like, no, that's not really it. That's not the goal. This is the goal. And it means curbing myself some. It means not doing some things that I want to. Because I'd rather be here with them. And that's, it's still hard for me to learn sometimes. You know, you see people doing these great things and you're like, oh, I could be there. Oh, I could travel to that. But no, I'd rather be taking you. know, the basketball and taking them to their climbing lessons or going on the field trips and doing, right. doing to make the most difference in their life. So
0: good for you because I have the same feelings that you do. And my kids, That's all I wanted to be. I wanted to be a mom. And then I, this cookie thing happened and I had to figure out how am I going to, because I was a stay at home mom at the time. Yeah. And then I worked a little art job because an art teacher job, because I wanted to be where my kids were. And, and so I thought, how am I going to balance this? Because my first priority is going to be my kids. So for me, I would get up really early in the morning. And that's what I would do. One day I would get up, I'd make cookie dough once a month and then I'd put it in the freezer. So I only did that once a month, usually on Sunday afternoons. And then I would get up early in the morning, I would bake the cookies. The next day I would get up early in the morning, I would decorate the cookies. And so I found that it didn't get into my kids into my it didn't interfere with what I wanted to do which was just focus on my kids and then I would do it when they were in school and man am I thankful because my oldest is 21 he's in college and my youngest is 17 and I look back and think of all the wonderful things we did together but I also am proud that they have seen and the same with your kids they've seen their mom Take something from nothing and make it a success. And I think that it's a great teaching moment for your kids too.
1: That was one of the big things with me being on the show, especially knowing going into filming, you you don't know if you're going to win. You don't know what you're going to look like on TV. And I wanted to compete because it's a competition. But on the backside, one of the reasons it was so important to me to maintain integrity was because I wanted my kids to watch And to say, oh, that's my mom. And even if I didn't win to say, oh, she lost with grace. And oh, this is what it should look like, right? Like this is the the attitude that we want to convey that. And you can get disappointed and you can make mistakes and you can mess up or you can be a total failure. It doesn't matter as long as you're being kind and generous to other people and you're trying your best, like things are going to happen and challenges are going to happen. But it was funny because I knew I was going home, but my kids didn't even know I had filmed. I didn't tell them anything until I could share publicly because there's four of them. They can't keep their mouth shut. I They're was, young. Oh, yeah. My youngest is seven. My oldest is 13. I was like, they'll tell everybody. <laughs> there's no way they can keep it quiet. <laughs> but when it aired, of course, they didn't know if I won or lost. I didn't tell them. And when I went home first, I was shocked at how upset they were. and. Oh i hadn't really considered the way that they would respond because i thought to myself oh they'll see me win great or lose gracefully they'll see me try hard they'll, they'll hopefully see a positive attitude to the whole thing and then they all just one of them was like it's raved i was like you can't say that People are gonna think that you're telling that they, because they're gonna think i said that i was like you can't say that she's like you should have won i mean <laughs> and then another one was like, I'm so sorry, mama. And she had to leave the room because she started crying and she didn't oh. want people to hear. And like my son just came up and gave me a huge hug. He was like, I'm sorry you didn't win $10,000. Like overall, they really enjoyed it. They loved watching, but that was, I did it for them too. I wanted them to see it. And so I was I was like, maybe I should have given them a little heads up. But yeah. <laughs> But they do, they watch. And my daughter, Ellie, she actually, she's stuck in the kitchen. She's eating a banana across the room. But yeah, they help me with classes. All my girls do. They come down and sometimes they'll help me bake. Sometimes Ellie's my icing guru. They help me package everything. They re- Sometimes they come with me to class and act like my assistants. And it's good for them too, because they get out and they have to step out of their comfort zone a little because most of my students are adults. So they have to learn at 12 and 13 to come up and what can I help you with? Or let me adjust that for you. And it takes a lot for them because, you know, one of them's really introverted. So it's, which I don't know how an introvert came from me, but <laughs> they are such an integral part of it. And I do hope when they're older that they can kind of look back and see the things that they've learned, but also know that they were my priority and that find yes. that balance. Right. It's just the balance of it.
0: So if you had any advice to give to an aspiring Baker, do you have any words of wisdom? Yes. What do I want to say
1: first, though? We've touched on some of it. Fi- I think finding your true voice as a cookie designer or a baker is really important if you can find that early on. Because I think so many of us, when we're starting out, we immediately go to see what everybody else has done and we copy it. And I don't mean inspire, I mean, we're like, I like that cookie. That way. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with that. You're giving credit or you're just it's super cute and you want to do it. That's great. But I don't think that's how most people enjoy the process as much. I think at some point you start to burn out, right? Like you want as a creative person to find your own voice and to do the things that make you happy. And even if it's a thing that you don't like, which we have all had (laughs) things that, oh my gosh, you don't like. But if you can put your own spin on it and find the way that you enjoy decorating, that's going to help in the long run with burnout. And I think a lot of that just comes with recognizing what you like outside the cookie world, like we talked about going around in real life, Hobby Lobby, Target, Walmart, whatever, outdoors, people walking, or even if you are on the internet, like Googling artwork instead of cookies, Googling sketches, Googling sculptures, things like that. It'll just, it kind of opens up your world more to where you can start putting yourself in your cookies and enjoying it more. And probably the next, and prob- what I think is the most important is find your community in the cookie world because you need it. Like you can do this on your own, but it's so much better with people. And we are very fortunate where I live there. I have taught cookie decorating classes for years. Many of them have started businesses that like too many for me to have kept up with many of them teach classes now. And a lot of people think, aren't you putting yourself out of business? I'm like, we know we have the best community. Mm-hmm. If one of us is sick or one of us has a family emergency or somebody's missing a cutter or somebody's eddy goes down, whatever it is, we've got 50 strong that we can go to and say, Hey, you guys, like I'm in a bad position. Can one of you help? And there's always someone always. And even beyond that, If you don't have a local community still having people, we're all going to have experiences that put us in a bad position or where we make a mistake and we don't know how to recover or how to handle it. Talking to people Mm -hmm. online in some of the Facebook groups and communities, that's going to help ground you and give you better responses than your knee jerk reactions. I'm very thick skinned. Not much gets to me at all, but that's unusual for a lot of people for a lot of women. And especially since we're sensitive and especially because we do take things so personally, finding that community to help support you when you need it is just, I think it's, I think it's critical, honestly. If you're mm-hmm. doing it at all, wanting to be a business or aspire to grow that way, I think I think that's probably my biggest piece of advice is find those people.
0: I totally, <clears throat> agree. I totally agree. In fact, when I started my cookie cutter subscription box, one thing that I did was start a community. Of decorators that get the box because right. you know how important it is, especially when you're just starting to have somebody to ask questions to and to talk talk things through and just get support. Because most of us are in our kitchens by ourselves right. with our podcasts and our crumb <laughs> crum shows. Right? <laughs> it's good to have those friends. So,
1: awesome. are you ready
0: for our speed round? Yes. Okay. I didn't. It? Can
1: it be competitive? Right.
0: that's competitive no who was your teenage crush oh Brad Renfro I don't know who that is you're (laughs) a lot younger than me
1: (laughs) no he died young it was very tragic he was Huck Finn on like with the Jonathan Taylor Thomas all the girls thought Jonathan Taylor Thomas was so cute no I liked Brad Renfro he was adorable (laughs) do you have a favorite cookbook my grandmother's We put one together when she passed. It has all her recipes in it and people in the family got copies of it. So it has photocopies of her handwritten recipes.
0: That's the sweetest thing. A friend of mine is a designer and he has the most beautiful home. And my favorite part of his home is he has his grandmother's handwritten recipes in frames on the wall of his kitchen. I just think Mm -hmm. that is just the most wonderful thing.
1: Yeah. I love it. It's just a little piece of her. We used to spend a lot of time at her house when I was younger on Sunday afternoons. And of course it was very traditional Southern cooking and food and things that she'd made for years without a recipe and at some point, somebody made her write some stuff down. So I'm not entirely sure that it's actually accurate. <laughs> to how yeah. she made the thing—that's a good generic guide. So
0: we'll go with it. <laughs> so if you could make cookies for anyone, living or gone, who would you make them for?
1: It's going to sound really shallow, but Paul Rudd—he's—he's he's been okay. We say teenage crush. Brad Pitt <laughs> was my first crush. Paul uh-huh. Rudd when Flawless came out. It's been Paul Rudd since. Okay, so what's that? I don't even know how many years now. But he's genuinely just a funny person, an appreciative person, a kind person. He's been married to his same wife for a long time. And I just think it would be so fine to make cookies standing the course of his
0: entire career and be like, here's your cookies, Paul. You need to do that and put them on social media yeah. and tag him and have other people tag him. You never know. You might mean. Well, the thing
1: is that holds me back from it is I, if you look at my work, you will very rarely see people's faces. That's because I can't do them because they look yeah. gone or misshapen or like they've been in some disfiguring accident. I don't do people ever. And they made me do people on the show. I was like, oh. Oh, no wonder Santa looks a little like he's had too much to drink and some eggnog <laughs> on Christmas. That was my bad, y'all. Not a people people are
0: hard. They <laughs> are hard. <laughs> they are. So tell us, we already know where we can find you on Instagram. Where else can we find you? Facebook.
1: Also, Sammy B. Sweets is the same tag there. And I do have TikTok. I just only use it to post videos like once every seven months or so I'm working on being better. You guys, I'm trying to do more, but it's hard. It is
0: hard. It is. Your kids are at the age though. When they're a little older, you just say, here's my TikTok account. You post all the videos
1: (laughs) and they'll be on it. (laughs) They're getting there. They're so close. My 12 year old, she's really getting into a bunch of stuff on the computer and making her own videos, but she's not quite into the filming side of things yet. So I'm like, all right, it's more practice in me about A couple of years, I'll start paying you and you can do it for me. Yeah. I would like to start teaching online classes more. I do have a goal of doing that and, and I can film and I can do it. It's just finding the time and setting it all up and getting it going, but sure. we'll get there.
0: Sure. I have loved talking to you. You're a, you are just the sweetest, nicest Thank person, you, Sam.
1: Man. And I had,
0: I had, I felt like that's how you would be in the little interactions that we've had, but just finding out more about you. You're my kind of person.
1: Thanks. I told you before, you just radiate joy and happiness. (laughs) Even when I think the first time I met you face to face, and you may not even remember was at the Christmas cookie challenge. You were in the lobby the day that we came down to do our first day and you were tired and you were exhausted, but you were just glowing. You were smiling and you were like sharing things from the kitchen and talking about your experience. and so helpful. And then, and we, I didn't remember your name. I didn't remember. I just remembered your face because you were so happy
0: Uh. and
1: it stuck out. And then months later, we're scrolling through Insta. Like we have my episode where we text each other all the time. They're the best but somebody saw in Reeve's stories, there was like a screenshot of you or something. And they were like, we know who she is now. And they, yes. they your you. I was like, Lauren, the cheer, the cheerful Baker, that is very appropriate. That suits her very well. And I only met her for five minutes. So you can just tell
0: you're well, a very happy,
1: you. positive person. And I think, like you said, like I knew I was like, we'll just have the best chat. It'll be great. <laughs>
0: I know, and we're going to get to see each other soon in person at CookieCon, so that'll be fun. But I guess we'll wrap up. Your kids probably need food, and I can (laughs) hear mine are awake, too, so I'm going to get the same questions here in a minute. What are we having for breakfast? Thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed today's chat and don't want to miss out on future episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. We release new episodes every Thursday. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to rate and review it. It would mean so much to us. And remember to check out the Cheerful Box. It's the perfect companion to help you unlock your creativity and help make your baking dreams come true. You can find it at www.CheerfulCutters.com. So until next time, keep dreaming big and never underestimate the power of a little sugar and a whole lot of passion. I'm Lauren Jacobs, and this is the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast.